0: Good morning, church. Thank you for gathering today, for bringing the church into this building. I want to give you a quick update, uh, let you know last week that we were waiting on chairs to ship, and they have officially shipped, so we're excited about that. So uh, they, they left Shanghai, China, so it's going to take a little while for them to get here, but they are on the way, so that's good news uh, because we were waiting and waiting and waiting with lots of delays for those chairs to uh, hit the sea. Uh, but they are on the way now, so um, our, it, it looks like probably the end of October those chairs will arrive, and maybe the first Sunday in November we should be in the auditorium. That'll get us right in there for Missions Week, which we're really excited about. So um, so be praying for no delays, you know, no ships sinking, uh, you know, who knows. Um, No, but we are so grateful for God's provision, uh, and while we are grateful for God's provision, we're also grateful for God's timing, and uh, it's taken longer than we thought, but uh, God knows what he's doing, and so we trust him and his goodness. Um, Thank you for preaching a little bit this morning, Arthur, that that, uh, helps me get there a little bit quicker. So. Hey, one other thing, uh, speaking of fall festival, Sarah mentioned our trunks, and uh, we're ho- Sarah's hoping for 35 trunks, so that means I'm hoping for 40, so let's, let's get there. Uh, but it's a blast, and I, I would just like to humbly say uh, that my trunk has been first place for two years in a row, so um, just for the record, um, but it is a lot of fun. Jason Mascari should have won both of those years. Uh Jason always builds us incredible elaborate. We had Angry Birds one year, I think, and among us, and uh, anyway, uh, his son Nate gets to pick the theme, and then so it's usually some video game or you know phone game. but anyway, it's a lot of fun. And uh, the reason we do truck or Treat is it is a way for us to serve our neighbors. Um, and so uh, on that evening, people from all from OCP, our school right here on campus, and, and kids from the neighborhood from Inglewood and all around come to our campus and we are able to love them in the name of Jesus by giving them candy. Uh, and and uh, our goal is to make an investment in their lives that they know that this church, this body of Christ at 500 South Cimarron Boulevard is a place for them to connect and come uh, for answers and for hope uh, and there are people who love them and pray for them and so that's why we do it. And so that is the mission of our church and uh so i hope that you will commit to be a part of that there's you can you can do it by bringing candy you can do it by do, uh doing a trunk but i hope you'll participate in that uh and as john mentioned tonight we have a prayer service we're going to be specifically focusing on this 938 prayer this was jesus prayer request for us and so i'm excited about that it's been a long time since we've had a uh prayer service together and uh it is the most important thing that we do, so I hope that you will make it a priority to be here. So uh, we are in our series called Why, and in this series we've been answering some of the big questions that we ask in life, and, and so the first question we we sought to answer is why does truth matter, or is there really truth is kind of the underlying question beneath the question. Why does truth matter? Matter, And we tried to establish in that message that we must have an object of truth. We talked about the difference between objective and subjective truth. Subjective is based on my feelings, my opinions, my desires. I call the shots. But when truth is subjective, that means we all have a different version of truth. But we believe that there is an objective truth or there is an object of truth. And that object is God himself, personified in Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and revealed through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And so we sought to make a case that if we're going to talk about truth, we must go to the object of truth, the source of truth. And we looked at John chapter 18. I want to read a little bit of the scripture from the screen here. Jesus is appearing to Pilate, and Jesus says, you say that I'm king, I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Jesus came to testify to the truth. That means Jesus' words were a testimony for truth. And he also says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So we tried to establish that if we want to know truth, we have to listen to Jesus, the source of truth, the object of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so if we want to know truth, we have to seek Jesus. Now, Pilate's response to Jesus' declaration of truth was this. It was this kind of a cynical retort, what is truth? And that's the culture that we live in. What, what is truth really? Can I, I really know truth? And so we, we believe that God's word is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so we are going to God's word to find answers. And then last week, we, we asked another big question. Why should I trust God? Or why, why would a good God allow evil and suffering in the world? I, there's so many bad things going on around us. How can I really trust God? How can I really trust that God is good? A couple things we pointed out uh, is that that very question, why would a good God allow evil, points to the fact that there is a God. In other words, there is a source for, for distinguishing between good and evil. We believe that source that distinguishes good from evil is God. Without God, then it's, everything's up for grabs. And so by the very nature of the question, we acknowledge that there is a moral law, that there is a law of God, and it's written on our hearts Acts chapter two says I'm sorry Romans chapter two says and so uh, we ask the question and it points to God, but we also have to be honest that in that question we recognize that there's evil and if we're being honest there's evil in all of us we all ha- we have all done things that we wish we hadn't done we have all said things that we wish we hadn't said we've all had thoughts that we were surprised that we had so Uh, We recognize that that in asking the question about evil, we recognize that there is an ultimate good. We also recognize that, that evil dwells within all of us. And so, if God is going to do something about evil and suffering, as Arthur pointed out, if God is going to justly and rightly punish evil, we have to recognize that part of that punishment falls on us. And so when we say, why would God allow evil? I see that over there. Why would God allow that? We, we recognize and we learned from Scripture last week that God is patient. We read it from Nahum this morning that God is patient. That he is calling us and drawing us to himself. He wants all to come to repentance, to turn from that evil in our own lives and to turn to Him. And finally, we we close with these few thoughts about evil and suffering. Only through God does suffering have meaning. If there is no ultimate good, if there is no ultimate God, then our suffering is just survival of the fittest, right? If there is no God, our suffering is just animal instincts bumping up against each other. But God has given us purpose in suffering. He's also provided a way for us to endure suffering. We can have hope in the midst of suffering because God is good. And ultimately, as Arthur pointed out this morning, through Jesus Christ's death on the cross, He made a way that our suffering in this life doesn't have to be final. There is a day when He will set every wrong right, and in Christ, we, we have refuge from the just penalty. Of evil and suffering in the world. Okay, so that's the last couple of weeks. You can check those messages out online if, if that was a little confusing in the recap for you. Uh, but today we're going to talk about sin. It's a good one. Um, but here's what I want us to see as we get into this this morning. Okay, we hear the word sin and, and we think, okay, that's all about you know people pointing fingers at me. That's all about judgment. But, but I want us to, to turn from looking at sin and, and, and to look at God because here's what I want us to see this morning. If God is not holy, then sin is not sin. If God is not holy, then sin is not sin and we serve a God who is good and holy and beautiful and righteous and just. And because of that, Anything that falls short of that goodness and beauty and glory and wonder and splendor is sin. And so this morning as we look at sin, I I want us to realize that sin is not sin unless God is holy. So let's pray and then we're going to get into it. We're going to look a little bit in Romans chapter 1, which gives us a a doctrine of of sin. We're going to look a little bit in Genesis 2 and 3, which takes us to the beginning And we're gonna do it fast, so let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that you are holy this morning. We have declared already this morning that you are the God from whom all blessings flow. That you are greater and stronger and higher than any other. You are healer, you are awesome in power. You are our God. God. And we declared this morning that you're good, you are good, and that in your goodness, you are coming for us to draw us and call us to yourself. And so this morning, as we look at a difficult topic, sin, remind us that on the other side of that brokenness and sin is a beautiful, holy, and good God. And in turning from sin, we turn to that beauty. And in choosing to sin, we walk away from that beauty. Remind us that it's not about our ugliness, but it's about your beauty this morning. So speak through your word. Your word is truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I read a quote um, this week from a book. It's, it was really good. And and as we get into this, I, I want to just set up the message with this. The book is called Holier Than Thou. It's written by a woman named Jackie Hill Perry. She's a poet and, and teacher. Um, and, and here's what she says. If God were not holy, sin would not be sin. All behavior would be non-moral, existing without ethical boundaries. And in a strange way, all that's done under the sun would be impersonal since there wouldn't be a God in heaven who could discern the difference between murder and music, finding no offense with either. The reason sin is sin is because God is holy. There is a ultimate holiness, goodness, and beauty. And because of that, anything that falls short is sin. And so let's read what Romans chapter one has to say. Starting in verse 18 says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and, sens- and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in their desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lusts for one another. Men committed shameless acts with, with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind... So that they would not do what is right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they knew God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. It's a heavy passage. Paul puts it right out there, doesn't he? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start calling out some sins, and if you've ever done them, raise your hand, okay? Let's just... So here's the first one. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Okay, we don't have to go any further. (laughs) What I want us to see in this passage, Paul twice uses a phrase. He says, they exchanged. They exchanged something. We're going to look at those. And I, I want us to see this morning that sin is an exchange. Right? Sin is sin because God is holy. So there's this exchange that takes place between holiness and sin. So let's look at these couple of passages where where Paul points out this exchange that takes place. The first one is in verse 23. He He says, They exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling man. The first thing I want us to see is that sin is an exchange. For God, instead of God's glory, we exchange God's glory for cheap replicas. We exchange God's glory for cheap knockoffs, cheap replicas. Paul says they exchange God's glory for images resembling man and creatures. Has anybody, has anybody ever bought like a, a, a knockoff, you know, designer purse or sunglasses or something, Right? You get them, and and they they do okay for a little while, but then they start falling apart. If you buy cheap clothes, the first time you wash them, you know, the hem's coming undone, and it shrinks to two sizes too small. The worst for me, when I was a kid, my mom would buy Hydrox cookies instead of Oreos. And she would say, they taste the same. I would say, they do not taste the same. I don't care if you save 35 cents. They are not as good. Right, we know this is true in our own lives. And I'll also admit that when Brooke sends me to the grocery store, I'm I'm trying to save 35 cents, so. (laughs) But we do this in the spiritual realm as well. There is a holy, good, truthful, righteous, loving, eternal, invisible God, only wise. And we say, yeah, but I think I could get by with a little less than all that. We exchange God's glory for cheap replicas. That's what sin is. God designed humanity for flourishing. When God created man and woman and placed them in paradise, he designed them for, for wonder and beauty and and flourishing, but they exchanged the glory of paradise for something less. We still think we know better than God. This, This scripture says, they knew, over and over, Paul says, they knew, they knew what they were doing, but we still think, yeah, but it'll be all right. Uh, yeah, 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 I know that's not God's best for me, but it'll be all right. I know I shouldn't do that, but what, what are you going to do? It'll be okay. And when we do that, sin is this idea that God has this plan, this glorious, holy, perfect plan. And we say, yeah, but. And it wasn't just the first man and woman. We do it every day. We exchange God's glory for a God that we create in our own image. We have a very low view of God, and that low view of God leads to sin. God is holy. He's perfect. He's set apart. He's real love. He is just, but, but we dial it back. Because we have this low view of God, it leads to sin in our lives. We see another exchange that Paul mentioned in, mentions in this passage. In verse 25, we see that we exchange truth for lies. Verse 25 says this, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. Amen. Something that we see in this verse, when we exchange God's truth for a lie, we begin to worship the creation instead of the creator. That means we subjected ourselves to the creation instead of the creator. When we we gave up on the truth of who God is and what he's called us to and exchanged it for a lie, we subjected ourselves to creation Guys, that will never hold up. That will always disappoint. It can't bear the weight of our expectations. We find this when we put all of our hope in a relationship. Even if that relationship is a good relationship, it can't hold the weight of your expectations. Parents, when we put all of our hope in our children, they can't bear the weight of our expectations in a career In even morality, those things can't bear the weight of our expectations because they weren't designed to. When we exchange the truth of who God is for a lie, we begin to put our hope in other things, worship other things. So this idea of exchange that takes place, right? Exchanging God's glory and beauty for a cheap replica exchanging God's truth for a lie, it ultimately points us to the fall of man in the book of Genesis. As a church, we believe God's word is true and authoritative and literal. When we read Genesis, we read that God created the heavens and the earth, that he spoke them into existence, that he literally created humanity out of dust of the ground, and he set them in a perfect paradise and they chose to sin. Without original sin, that's an important doctrine. Without the idea that there was an original sin that entered into humanity, uh, it it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. So let's let's look at this idea, and I'm not going super deep on this. Um, By the way, a couple of plugs, okay? We have a class called Equip Class. And we try to go deeper on some of the core doctrines of our faith. And if you are interested and have questions, we would love for you to get plugged into that class. It's happening right now. We're about halfway through, and you can get in halfway and finish the first half later if you want to. It happens at 9 o'clock right here on our campus. We have another class on Wednesday nights. It's a parenting class called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. But going through an incredible book that, that really goes through core foundational beliefs of the Christian faith, so that we can help our kids understand those things. The truth is, so we can help ourselves understand those things. Uh, that's led by Mike and Kelly Schellenberger on Wednesday nights, and you could plug into that. Drop your kids off at Awana's if you've got kids or youth group, and then go to the class. Um, both of those things. There's more information on our website and church app, but uh, t- to help you go deeper on some of those things. So here we go. Uh, humanity exchange God's glory for... Images of humanity, cheap replicas, God's truth for lies. And it points us back to the fall of man in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Starting in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded him, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, any of them, but... You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, one thing that makes this paradise, I heard a a preacher point out one time, is that there was only one command. Like, just don't eat that tree. Everything else is good, but don't eat from that tree. I mean, it was pretty simple, right? Because when you do, you will certainly die. And then in verse 3, we see this lie creep in. The serpent appears to the woman, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. That, That was a lie. In fact, God knows that when you eat eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, so she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. We, we see this exchange that Paul talks about in Romans. The serpent fed the woman a lie. No, no, no. God didn't really mean that. In, in fact, if you eat this, you're gonna be smarter than you were before. Many times we believe the lie of sin, even still today, because it's in us. If you really wanna be happy, I mean if you really really want to be happy then then go do that. I know I know you've been married for 15 years but just, you know, just walk away. You'll be happier. If you really want to be happy do what's in your heart. We also see that the woman looked and saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and was desirable for obtaining wisdom. I mean, it was a good looking tree. So she said, Well, I mean, it looks good. And she exchanged God's glory for this created thing, this tree that she thought was pretty and that she thought would make her smarter wiser. This is what we do. Romans points to it. Genesis points to it. Our lives point to it. Over and over we buy this lie that there's something better. That there's something better and and it ends up that that something that we thought was better is a cheap knockoff that will never hold up. It's what sin is. We see something else from the book of Romans. Another exchange that takes place in verse 28. Paul says, because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do not so that they do what is not right we exchanged god's goodness and holiness for the corruption of sin corruption means a breaking down of something right we've all heard of government corruption that, that there is a way that government is supposed to operate which would bring good and and human flourishing, but in corruption, people are taking bribes and and giving favors, and, and it causes the whole thing to begin to break down. Most of us have experienced some kind of corruption in the programming of a computer or a virus on our computer. It's meant to work in a certain way, but if the file gets corrupted, then it starts to break down, and we have to... Our operating system starts to get faulty and it's not as fast as it should be and there's glitches and it shuts off. And right, It's this corruption that enters into the system and it causes things to begin to break down. And when we choose sin, God delivers us over to this corruption that we ultimately have chosen and things begin to break down. In fact, humanity was created... For relationship with God and a perfect paradise for eternity. But corruption entered in, and immediately death began its reign. We exchanged God's goodness and holiness for the corruption of sin. Things are breaking down, things are dying. God in his holiness had this perfect design for human flourishing, and he said, look, guys, this is all for you. There's just one tree, don't eat it. And they chose, by believing a lie, by beholding the beauty of the created thing instead of the beauty of the one that created it, to enter into sin, to bring corruption in their lives. The book of Romans also tells us, by one man's sin, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The thing about choosing to eat of the tree, we we often think about the punishment of sin, and we go, I shouldn't be punished. I shouldn't be punished for this. And I want us to see from the man and the woman's choice and from our own choices that corruption and death was a consequence more than it was a punishment. There will be a punishment for sin. But God said, if you eat the tree, you will die. Not because I'm going to punish you, because if you eat the tree, you will die. Or if you drink poison, you will die. It doesn't matter if I am upset with you for drinking the poison. You're gonna die whether I, whether I forgive you for eating the poison or not. Because it's poison and it will kill you. If you jump in front of a train, you will die. If you jump out of a plane without a parachute, you will die. That's a consequence. And in the same way, there was a consequence for man and woman's choice to turn away from the beauty of God and exchange his glory for the created thing. And we go, God, it's so unfair. even when we ask about the evil in the world we say these bad people it's because of the bad people that that bad things happen but how did they get bad we we always want to blame something else for our poor choices but it's sin and it's the consequence of choosing to walk away from God's goodness and glory and beauty and we still do it today what I want us to see we get so I I read this list out of Romans chapter one and as I was reading through the list of sins maybe some of you were kind of a little tense right because it 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 hurts It, it it feels oppressive to us to be called out. You know, Paul starts out by, in this list, he, he talks about same-sex attraction. Women who lust for other women and men who lust for other men. And in our culture, man, that, you can't say that. But look, it's not about pointing fingers at other people. It's about recognizing that there is an exchange from God's holiness and good plan to our own ideas of what will make us happy as he talks about sexual immorality we live in a culture where you know we feel entitled to romance and sexual satisfaction that we should be able to pursue that and but god says no i've got a plan it's for a, a man and a woman to be married and there is a oneness in that. And there is a, a physical sexual relationship that goes with that and I've designed it in a certain way because here's the thing. Um, this, this idea that it's okay, I, I deserve this, I deserve this, I, I deserve to be satisfied in this way, it leads to all kinds of pain and all kinds of hurt. All kinds of abuse the Me Too movement of the last couple of years is a result of this idea that we should just be able to do what feels good. That's a consequence of sin. But then he goes on because probably in this room, there may be some people who same-sex attraction is a struggle for, but not most of the people. And, And sometimes we go, well, good, I'm okay, but no, no, no. He goes down the list. Evil, greed, wickedness, envy, murder, quarrels. Quarrels? Arguments? That made the list? Yeah. Deceit? Anybody ever been a little deceptive in, yeah, never mind. (laughs) Malice? Gossip, that one made it. Slanderers, talking bad about other people. God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful. I like this one, inventors of evil. I mean, we coming up with ways to do bad stuff. (laughs) And then disobedient to parents. And all the parents said amen senseless, untrustworthy, untrustworthy, untrustworthy. I know I said I would do it, but something came up. Unloving, unmerciful. This is sin. And we don't like people to point out our sin. Now, we don't mind pointing out other people's sin, And especially as church folks, we don't mind pointing out other people's sin. But the thing about sin, it's not really about you and your badness. It's about God and his goodness. If God is not holy, sin is not sin. But God is holy, and he is beautiful, and he is good. And so our unholiness and ugliness... and unmerciful, unkindness, all those things, they're sin. And you don't have to get uptight because it's not about you. And it's not about your specific flavor of sin. It's about the fact that there is a holy God who has a standard. He is the object of truth. And outside of that is corruption. Because here's the plan, and anything outside of the plan is a corrupt version of the plan. Some versions may be more or less corrupt than the other, but they are all corrupt. And, and so, really, you know, we, we, we kind of ask the question why does sin matter, or what makes sin sinful? Right? I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. It feels good. It feels natural to me. That's what the woman said. I mean, that tree looks good. It's beautiful. It's pleasant. It smells nice. I think it'll make me smarter and happier. Because we have this idea that sin is just this vile, ugly thing, that sin is just the Holocaust, or that sin is just genocide, or that sin is just Abuse and, and rape and murder. and, But sin is a deviation from God's goodness and holiness. Because God is holy, anything outside of that is sin. Misses the mark. And, and, and when we begin to veer off, we exchange God's glory, his perfect plan for cheap replicas. Have you ever seen anybody with one of those cheap replica t-shirts? Like the logo is way jacked up looking. You, you know, they think they look good walking around. You're like, oh, man, that, that looks really, I mean, in love, guys, that looks terrible. We walk around that way thinking that our little thing is making us look good. We exchange God's glory and holiness for cheap replicas, the truth for a lie, God's goodness for corruption that leads to death because that's what corruption does. It corrupts things until eventually it totally falls apart and dies. So here's the good news. Where we exchanged God's holiness for sin, Jesus came to make another exchange. Whereby he took our death and gave us his life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then Paul goes on to list the sins again. The sins in which we previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, spirit that is now working in the disobedient. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, what makes him loving? It's his holiness. What makes him wrathful against sin? It's his holiness. The thing that makes God loving is also the thing that makes God a judge of sin. Because he wouldn't be loving if he didn't judge and punish the things that hurt us, right? How could we we suffer in this life and say a loving God is just like, oh, it's okay. That wouldn't be okay. Okay. His holiness makes him loving, but his holiness also makes him just and righteous and a punisher of sin. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses because of corruption, we are saved by grace. So while in sin, we exchange God's glory for cheap knockoffs, we exchange God's truth. For a lie, we exchange God's goodness for corruption. We can also exchange our death, the consequence of our sin, for His life. Arthur read it out of Nahum this morning. He is the refuge. When the wrath of God comes, we can go for refuge to Jesus Christ. But this morning, we have to get and understand the root of sin. If we don't understand the root of sin, we always just say, why are you judging me? Why are you judging me? Why are you judging me? But if we get down to the root of sin, we recognize that the root of sin is that we don't trust God. The root of sin is that we don't really believe that God's beautiful plan is beautiful. That we don't really believe that God is telling us the truth. That the only body I can trust the only person I can trust me with is me. We believe God is like a dad who takes his kid to the toy store and says, look at all these toys. Do you want one of those? Do you want one of those? Oh, yeah. Do you want one of those? Well, you're not getting them. That's what we think God is. That's how we live. God, why can't I? Why shouldn't I? That, that would be better than what you have for me. We might not say the words, but that's how we live. We live. That's the root, that's the foundation of sin. And the way to deal with it is not by looking at our sin, it's by looking at the beauty of God, the holiness of God, the splendor of God, the wonder of God, the generosity of God. Scripture says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Because when we can believe that God is who he said he is and that he really knows what's best and he really has a a perfect plan, then we can trust him instead of trusting all the cheap replicas that this world could give us. And then we go to him in repentance. Repentance means to turn. It's kind of like that idea of exchange where we turned from God to sin where we turn from God's glory to the cheap replicas of sin where we turn from God's truth to the lies that we bought and believed about sin where we turn from God's goodness to the corruption of our sin now we can turn from our sin back to God that's repentance it's turning why is sin sinful? because God is holy why does it matter? because God is holy why does it hurt us? Because God has a perfect plan and that ain't it. So let's pray. God, the enemy has made us defensive. And when we hear people talk about sin, our hair stands up on the back of our neck and we start coming up with all the reasons why we're okay. God, when we do that, We keep living in the lie. We we keep living in the cheap knockoff of the life that you created us for. You created us in your image. When we do that, we we continue to live in, in a corrupt version of what you intended for us. So God, help us to be humble and recognize that you are holy and we are not. And God, to recognize that you made a way that we could exchange our sin for your life. And that that is grace. God, we all struggle with sin. We still live in a fallen world and we live in fallen physical bodies. In the Gospels, you pointed out to the disciples the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7 I do the things I'm not supposed to do, I don't do the things I want to do. Who will deliver me from this body of flesh? God, we struggle with sin. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, you have delivered us from the consequence of sin. And so now, Lord, help us every day to drown out the lies of sin with your truth. That you are good, that you are good, that you are good. God, whenever we are tempted with sin, we can remind ourselves that you are better. You are better. You are better. That tree might look good, and it might smell good, but you are better. So, Lord, for anyone here this morning who has never come to the place in their life where they have turned from their sin and turned to you for salvation putting their faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. God, I pray that even in this moment, you would convict them and draw them to yourself, that today they would come to repentance, that they would come to you. And God, for those of us who are believers, we, we've put our faith in you. God, there's many times where we still believe the lies of sin. God, and we, we turn back to things that will never satisfy. And God, I pray that you would remind us this morning that you are better. That you are better. I pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask a couple questions so I can pray for you this morning. Is there anybody this morning who, you're a believer, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but there's some sin in your life that, you, that you're that you struggling with. You keep believing the lie that that thing is going to bring you more happiness than God's plan for you. Anybody who would say, that's me this morning? Yeah, for sure. If we're being honest, that's a, that's most of us. God, I pray for these this morning who are bold enough to, by raising their hand, recognize that they are, Believing the lies of sin. Turning away from your goodness and glory for cheap replicas. God, even this morning, remind them of your goodness and your beauty. Is there anybody else this morning who might say, "Uh, you talked about turning from sin and turning to Jesus, repenting, salvation. I've never come to that place in my life where I've put my faith in Jesus, where I've turned from my sin and turned to Jesus, but I would like to. Is there anybody like that who would raise your hand this morning so I could pray for you? Anybody like that at all? All right, amen. So God, remind us of your goodness. Help us to walk. The beauty of your holiness. The beauty of your holiness. Not the burden of your holiness, the beauty of your holiness. (laughs) Because you are good. Your plan is good. Your ways are good. pray in Jesus' name. Hey, I want us to sing the chorus of this song to remind us of the beauty and the goodness of God. And I'm going to ask you to stand up. When we're done singing, I want to let you know a couple things before we go. So don't start exiting yet, okay? So let's sing this together all my life.